Well, Victory Midtown, how y'all doing today? Come on, are y'all ready for church today? Are y'all ready for the word today? It's so good to see everybody in the house today. Uh, Before I jump into the message, I want to do something because what I don't want to do is for us to kind of just go through things by way of routine or out of obligation. Uh, One of the things that even while Pastors Johnson and Summer uh, and Pastors Dennis and Colleen, they were up on the platform a second ago, they were talking about all the great things that God is doing through them and what what they'll be doing in the future. And I believe in truly giving honor where honor is due. And that's why we clap it up for those who have really sown seeds into the lives of of everyone here, as well as some of the great things that are coming. And that's very near and dear to Kendra and I's heart because a couple years ago, uh, about two and a half years ago, they actually recognized something in us. And they actually had vision for what we're actually sitting in today. And so if you would, not just out of routine, but really from the bottom of your heart, they can't see us right now. But I want just for us to honor God and honor them by just clapping our hands one more time for them and giving it up. Come on. Amen. Awesome, man. I was sitting over here on the side and I was kind of chomping at the bits. I was like, I'm ready to speak. I'm ready to preach today. Because it's just such a great time for us to be here together. Those who are watching us online and worshiping with us online, we welcome you. Can we give it up for them? Can we wave at them? Welcome, welcome, welcome. So glad to have you in the house today virtually. Now, as Pastor Johnson, they were talking about all those things, even with Christmas gift to the world, we want to make sure that we are participators in that. Somebody say participate. Participators in that because last year we were the local recipients of the Christmas gift to the world, which really made it possible for us to really go out and start our journey of really finding our new home, which we'll be moving into next year. So, again, just like someone sold into us to make a future possible, we want to make sure we sow into those who will be blessing this year. So, go home tonight, uh, seek the Lord for what He wants you to give your best gift to Jesus, and I believe God is going to be pleased by that. Amen. Amen. So as we talk about gifts, we're in this series called Advent. And as you see right here, last week we actually started off by kind of describing these candles that we have here. And when we're talking about Christmas gifts, what we are doing is making sure that we're taking time to put our focus on what God is really doing in this season. The real reason for the season, not just, you know, all the gifts, not just the mistletoe and all those type of things. We want to make sure that we're really talking about and dealing with what God says about us and who he sent to redeem us. And as we talk about this Advent season, Pastor Johnson talked about the word Advent really meaning coming or waiting and putting us in the mindset of Jesus coming to the earth. And so last week he talked about this first candle, which represents hope. And what I love about this, as we even do this symbolically, we see this flame. And we talk about hope, what we do is we see a flame here that's still burning. And when I look at this, I really measure it in my mind to say, while we have a flame that's still burning, we have a hope from God that's being fulfilled that's still burning in our hearts. And what he shared with us last week is that this prophet's candle, it represents the prophet's candle. And this prophet's candle represents 330 messianic promises and prophecies from God in the Old Testament that came to pass when Jesus came on the scene in the New Testament. And so as we look at this, what I'm really happy about is that we're talking about hope. He shared with us, even in the midst of all the different things that are going on, All the different challenges that we've had this year, COVID, different racial tensions, political tensions, all the things that are just going on in your personal life. 
we see that we still have a hope and we have comfort knowing that as there were promises made in the Old Testament, they came to pass and they will come to pass in our lives. Can somebody say amen? So as we're looking at this, I just want to kind of walk us through some things. Because I don't know about you, but all of us have probably had this kind of feeling like, yeah, I know that the promises came to pass in the Old Testament. But there's this sneaky feeling that kind of comes up in every one of us at some time or another that we ask the question, will God really move in my life? I know he did it for the prophets. I know he did it for the biblical characters. But will he come? Will he operate in that same promise in my life? And so as we get started today, I just want to kind of get an early lean in with you real quick. Come on, y'all lean in with me real quick. If you don't know what I'm talking about, that just means follow the rest of the congregation. That means I want to say something very important to you right now. Now, I need you to lean in even more. Put that shoulder into it because this is, a, this is a secret. Those who are watching online, I need you to lean in. Don't fall off the couch, but lean in. I want to let you in on something. Even me, yes, me, as the pastor, as a preacher, one who studied the word, one, one who operates in this as my primary vocation, I have had some times past and I've also had some times even recently, and even, I know that will be some other times in the future, where I'm not quite sure if the Lord is going to come through. Now, don't stone me. Don't run out of here right now, because I know I'm not supposed to say that. I know I'm not supposed to say as a preacher of the gospel that I'm unsure sometimes that God will come through. I know I'm not supposed to say, as one who stands behind this book board and who studies and, and, and shows myself approved, I know I'm not supposed to say that, but I have to be honest with you. Because the reality is, if we can't be honest with that, we'll never come to a place of faith in God. And as we walk through this, here it is. There's this thing that I want to talk about today where it's this point of contention between when God says something to you and then when that thing actually comes to fruition. It's a tension. It's, it's, it's what I call the great in-between. And a lot of times, I don't know about you, but in my life, that great in-between has actually shown me that there is a place of silence in that in-between. See, I don't hear, you know, angels coming from heaven when I'm actually stressed. I don't, I don't have these things where the Bible just kind of downloads in my mind when I'm feeling a little down. I, just like you, I have to encourage myself in the Lord. I have to make sure I put myself in a posture of really believing what God said he's going to do. So as we talk about this great in-between, what we're doing today is we're going to talk about this second theme of Advent, which we really need to engage in this time of that silent in-between. So I'm going to light this candle today representing this second theme, which is faith. Faith. Now, as I light this candle... I want you to prepare your minds and prepare your hearts because even now, if you're following in you version, I want you to really follow the scriptures today and follow the things that we're going to be talking about because it's going to help us all. Now, when we talk about faith, this thing that we're talking about, this candle, while the first one represented the prophet's candle, this candle represents the Bethlehem candle, the Bethlehem candle. And what this is, is actually giving us a likeness and an example of Mary and Joseph as they were walking, taking one step after another on their journey with God. They were taking one step. They were following him, not understanding what really was to come, but just really following his last word. And so as we walk through this, I want to really share with us what we need during this time, and that's peace 
and that's faith. So the Bethlehem candle, it represents peace, which I think is right, right there tied with faith. So let me tell you this faith that I'm talking about today. Let me share with you to make sure we're all on the same page. This faith that I'm talking about today is a confidence in what we hope for and the assurance that the Lord is working, even though we cannot see it or there's no sign of it. I'm going to say that one more time. There's a confidence in what we hope for and this assurance that the Lord is working, even though we cannot see it and there's no sign of it. So as we walk through this, many of us have heard this scripture before out of Hebrews, but I want to read it to us out of the message translation because I believe this sets the framework for how we're going to walk this thing out. It speaks to the critical nature of faith. The Bible says this, the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, can you say that with me? This faith is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. It's the act of faith, and it is distinguished. It's the act that distinguished our ancestors and set them above the crowd. Now, here it is. As we read that, what we're saying and what the scripture is saying is that that component of faith is what actually separates us from the rest of the world. It's faith that allows us to understand that even in a time of a pandemic, even in a time where people are kind of pulling back, that you will register, that you will come in with a mask, and that you will lift your hands and worship, because you're saying, faith is what separates me from the rest of the world. I'm not dismissing the real things that are happening, but I'm stepping into faith to walk in it in spite of what's happening. So as we walk through this, here it is. It takes faith to believe God when he's silent. It takes faith to believe God when he's silent. And here, furthermore, I want to say this. Faith, it's easy to say that you believe it until you have to actually enact it. It's easy to say you believe something until you actually have to put it to use. Let me switch it up and say it like this. It's easy to say you want to lose weight until you have to actually go work out. Yeah, that hit somebody right there. You, you convicted right now. For somebody else in the room, it's easy to say, I want to take this next step. I want to actually own my own home. But it's hard when there's a Black Friday sale with everything that looks like you. So what I'm saying is that, yes, concepts are great, but it's not proven until we actually have to put it to use. And so as we walk through this thing and we talk about this thing called faith, I really want us to lean in, not just for the sake of a cliche that we're saying here at Victory Midtown. I need us to grab this from the inner part of ourselves because faith is what's going to be needed as we even go through even to the end of this year and even go into 2021. Because I don't want to burst your bubble, but I want to let you know just because the calendar strikes January 1st, it doesn't mean that all the circumstances are going to change. Those who are watching online, I know we have all these things that we said at the beginning of 2020. Clear vision in 2020. Where is that vision now? <laughs> I want us to understand and be equipped how we're to walk this thing out in faith. So here it is. The thing that's very encouraging as we talk about this silent in-between is that there is something that happens that we actually have a cheat sheet on. See, those in the Old Testament, they didn't have the whole Bible to go back and read and know that the victory was won. They had to take their time and actually go through and understand that the prophets, that those people spoke these things that would happen, and they had to trust it for 400 years through generations and generations, trusting that even when God wasn't speaking, that he was still moving. 
So for those who are history buffs, that 400 years is called the intertestamental period. The intertestamental period. Where God was still moving, but he was quiet. Where they were used to hearing prophecies, they were used to hearing promises, and all of a sudden, it went quiet. Now imagine this. Imagine you're used to hearing the word of God. Imagine you're used to this prophet or these people telling you what God is saying. And then all of a sudden, things go quiet for 400 years. For some of us, this silence is very uncomfortable. That's 20 seconds. Think about 400 years. As we operate in silence, some of us can't even not look at our phones for 20 seconds, let alone not hear a word from God for 400 years. And what I want us to understand is that silence is not to be used against you. It's actually to be used for you. And while things might not necessarily be going the way that you think that they should be going, if we can understand the purpose of this silence, God wants to do something very great in that. Because the reality is God wants to use that silence to fortify some things. He wants to use that silence to actually have you lean into his presence, to lean in to his trust. But here it is. As a communicator, as one who speaks a lot in front of different people, what I recognize is that silence can be used in a crowd. See, some of the greatest communicators, they understand that in order to use silence, what they do is they use silence to end a particular statement, to emphasize what they just said, and to emphasize the importance of what they just said, while at the same time creating an anticipation for what's to come. So just like a communicator would do that on a platform, think about how God was saying, hey, 330 messianic promises, I want to make sure you actually got that thing. Because there's something that I want you to have a burning in your heart to anticipate what's coming next. So as we look at this, here it is. I understand that the pause of life, that the silence of life is not always comfortable. I, just like you, I have experienced my own silent times of life. If you've been here for long enough, you've heard me share some of these stories and some of you haven't. But I remember years ago when I experienced a silent time after when all I wanted to do was to be right in the eyes of God. As a younger man, I said, listen, God, I'm in ministry. I'm following your will. I want to have a wife. I want to get a family. I want to do what's right for you. So I got married, and then a couple years later, I actually had to get a divorce. And I'm going to be honest with you, in that time after getting that divorce, I felt like God was very quiet. I remember those silent times where I felt like he wasn't just being quiet, but I honestly thought that he was actually punishing me. I remember the time when I would just say, Lord, what's going on? All I want to do, I'm putting my hands to the plow. I'm actually putting my heart and soul into your will. Why have you forsaken me? Yes, I wasn't this person that was kind of going off doing my own thing. I was in the church working in ministry, and I still questioned God. I remember just even a couple years ago when after working for a church for several years, almost two decades, pouring my lifeblood out of it, that in a blink of an eye, now they had plans to go a different way that did not include me, and I felt like 
the Lord was being silent. I said, Lord, did I do something wrong? Did I take a misstep? And he said, no, Mo. As a matter of fact, he didn't even speak to me in that moment. What he actually inferred into me, he said, do the last thing that I told you until I tell you to do something else. And that's a word for some people in here that you are wondering why God is not speaking to you. You're wondering why the scriptures are not jumping off the pages to you. You're wondering why even when you come to church sometimes, you feel like you're going through the motions because God is saying, listen, I might be quiet, but I'm not absent. Another time of silence. I'm sharing this with you because I want to help you. Another time of silence was several years ago, again, where God redeems the time. He he comes into my life and allows me to meet this wonderful woman over here to my right. And we get married, and all we would do is walk around Atlantic Station and say how we wanted our family, wanted to have a child. We conceived, and then we lost that child. In that moment, can you imagine how I felt? God, I'm serving you. All these things are happening. All these things, I'm feeling like you're far from me. And he was quiet. But what I can say is that during that time of being quiet, he didn't mind that I was questioning him. He didn't mind that I would ask the questions. He didn't mind that I would say, Lord, have you forsaken me? And some of you are going through your very own silent times right now. Some of you are wondering, am I going to stay in this job? Is my job going to keep during this COVID season? I need to transition into something else. Is my family going to last through this COVID season? Because I haven't been cooped up with this person. I didn't know that I liked them or not. But God is saying, can you still trust me? Those watching online, God is saying, can you still listen to me? Can you still listen to the last thing that I told you to do? So as we're looking at this, I want you to understand something. Write this down. Write this statement down because you need to get this. As we walk through this season, I want you to know that the pause is not punishment, but it's preparation. This silent pause that you might be in right now, it is not punishment. It is preparation for you to be able to do something else that he has for you, that he set up for only you to walk in, that you need to go through this process to be able to trust him even when you don't hear him. But that doesn't mean it's not hard. That doesn't mean you can't speak out into the Lord. As a matter of fact, I love how God gives us a model of how we're to operate. King David, the one that the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. He wrote so many scriptures. One third of the psalm, there are laments. And a lament is an expression of grief or sorrow unto the Lord. In Psalm 13, King David said this. He said, how long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. That sounds like some of our testimonies in here tonight. I'm not with you at your house, but I can declare that you've asked God some of these same questions before. And if you haven't, I want to give you a license because some of us are afraid to have faith because we're afraid to be disappointed. Some of us will say, okay, I know that's good for them. We'll even believe certain promises up to a certain extent. But when it comes to the things where God is really trying to push you, you're like, I don't really know if I want to have faith in that. So as we walk through this, here it is. 
It's okay to express and ask these questions, but we have to engage with God in a productive way. And I just want to share with us, show us a couple ways that we engage with God in a productive way, even in the silence. Y'all ready for that? So as we walk through this, here it is. The first way that we engage in the silence in a productive way is that we have to learn how to celebrate. We have to learn about how to celebrate. Now, that might sound oxymoronic. Y'all are like, you just talked about all this silent stuff. You just talked about how you felt like you were depressed. And now you want me to celebrate? Yes, I want you to celebrate. And what I want you to do, what we're doing is we're celebrating the past. Because when we celebrate the past, what we're, we're reminded of what God can do and what he will do. See, a lot of times when we hear these kind of messages, people say, don't look back, that's in the past. In this instance, I want you to be able to look back. Because if you can't pull on any other testimony other than the one that I'm breathing right now, somebody take a breath. That's a place to celebrate. Some of us feel like we're out here by ourselves. Take another breath. But you're breathing and you're living. Some of us are depressed. We'll leave here after lifting our hands, after reading the scriptures, and we'll think that God is not with us, but we need to take another breath. You have something to celebrate. So as we walk through this, here it is. The Bible says this, King David again, the same person who was lamenting, the same person who was actually talking to God out of his sorrows, he said this in uh, chapter 37, verse 25 of Psalm. He said, I have been young and now am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. I got to say that one more time because that's good for me. I have been young, still a little young, and now I'm old. And yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. This is an encouraging statement because what he's doing is he's reminding himself of how God did it in the past. And what we need to do, we have to celebrate by doing this R word, remembering. We have to remember those things. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9, it says this, follow me. It says, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you, so that you do what? Come on, Victory Midtown, those watching online, so that you do what? Watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Now, I love this right here because I like to make this reference and understand that God never wastes words. And if he actually said, if he gave us instructions not to forget, he knew that we would be tempted to forget. The reason he's saying this is because he knows that even some of the really good things, we'll forget about those things. And even some of the bad things, we'll forget about those things. And what he's saying, don't forget how good I've been to you. Don't forget that I'm still with you, that I never left you, I never forsake you. So as we walk through this, here it is. I want you to write this down. Here's a statement that's not in your notes. The recalling of the testimony of your past can bring hope to your present and help you trust in your future. Let that sink in for a second. I'm going to say it again. The recalling of the testimony of your past can bring hope to your present and help you to trust in your future. 
See, that's why we sing the worship songs we sing. That's why we read the scriptures that we read, because we want to make sure that it doesn't stop here. We want to make sure that when you leave here, you're able to think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for you. You're able to celebrate and read the scriptures back to yourself. You're able to be your own congregation and preach to yourself when you get home. Because here it is. We have to believe that if he did it before, he can do it again. The same God right now the same God back then. So as we walk through this thing, I have an announcement. This announcement is for all of us to understand. And it's very clear that God being silent is not equal to him being absent. Somebody needs to hear that right now because you've been that one yelling, you've been that one crying. Actually, you've been that one not even actually thinking that you can ask God the question, where are you? And I'm here to let you know, just like I feel this, this shirt on my skin, God being silent is not him being absent. He's right there with you. So as we look at this, I want you to actually write this sequence of things down. Because again, I'm giving you tools because I don't want this to be an emotional message. I want this to be something that when you go home, when, when 2020 ends and 2021 comes in, you're able to declare this not because it's New Year's Eve, but because you believe the promise of God. Remembering produces gratitude, and gratitude yields celebration. Celebration yields faith, which produces anticipation. One more time. Remembering produces gratitude, which yields celebration, which moves into our faith, which produces anticipation. Why do we need anticipation? Because that's the second area that we need to walk in. We need to anticipate the future. Anticipate the future. See, I want to make this really, really real to us. We just came out of Thanksgiving, and I don't know if you're like me, but I'm a part of a family that my people will say, okay, we're eating at this time, but when you show up at that time, it's about two or three hours later than that time. Do I have any witnesses in the house? So when I show up, I have this anticipation, but I've been disappointed time and time again, and what I now have started to do is autocorrect. You tell me 12 o'clock, yes, I'll be there at 2.15. <laughs> and while we laugh at that and while some of us do that, some of us have treated God like our parents who said, show up at this time. Some of us have heard God saying, I want to do this in your life. I want to move in this area of your life. I want to make sure that even through the silence, I'm going to bless you and keep you. But what you say is that because I've been disappointed in times before, I'm not going to show up then. I'm going to put that over on the back burner. God has told some of us in here to write new projects, to start new businesses, to get into new godly relationships. And you're saying, no, not yet, God. I don't want to be disappointed. You're saying, no, God, I've already gone through that. I've already opened myself up to that, and I don't want to su submit myself to that process again. And he's saying, will you trust me again? Even if I'm not speaking to you audibly right now, will you trust my pattern? So as we walk through this, here it is. In this 400 years of silence, they kept the hope because they anticipated. And to anticipate means to regard as probable, to expect something, to predict that it will actually happen. And here it is. When we anticipate with faith and not fear, we choose to engage God where he is. 
When we anticipate that God is going to operate just like he said he was, we, are, we walk into a new promise with him. So here's a principle of faith that I want you to write down if you're taking notes. When you anticipate in faith, you get stronger. But when you feed your fear, you get weaker. One more time, when you anticipate in faith, meaning that you're going towards this thing with an understanding that, God, you are going to do this, that I'm going to try you again, that even if I've been disappointed, I'm going to step into this with a new frame of mind. When you do that, you get stronger, but when you feed your fear and you actually recognize that, oh, that thing is going to happen just like it always did, you operate in fear and you get weaker. But there is strength to be gained in the silence. There is strength that, as I told you and I shared with you my testimony about how I was in those silent years, I actually got stronger in those times of silence because I started to gain some perseverance. I started to gain gain a perspective, and on the other side of them, God never went back on his promise. And the Bible tells us in Isaiah 40, verse 31, here it is. Yet the strength of those who wait in hope, who wait in hope in the Lord will be renewed. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and won't become weary, and they will walk and won't grow tired. I want to let us know something, because sometimes when we hear a message like this or we hear this, we're kind of like, oh, I'm just supposed to kind of be passive. I'm kind of just supposed to sit there and wait. But I want to let you know something. When we wait on the Lord, patience is not passive. And God-led waiting never leaves you wanting. Let me say that again for those in the back. Patience, it's not passive. It's not like you're just letting everything happen to you. But God-led waiting, it never leaves you wanting because what you're going to do is, even when you don't understand it, God is actually measuring you and putting you on the path that he needs you to be in. Because when we trust in God, our anticipation is not wasted and our faith is not wasted. Here's something for all of us to understand. Faith, it pulls our past into our future. You're like, what does that mean? Faith, it pulls our past, something that happened that we can count on, that God already moved in. When we have faith and we anticipate our future, what it's doing is pulling it into your now and pulling it into your future so that you can recount those things and say, God, if you did it back there, I have a point of reference that you'll do it again. But so many times what we do is that we go by what we see instead of what he's already done. And he's talking to us even through his silence. Y'all know how we give each other nonverbal cues. We look at each other and smile even behind those masks or we frown behind those masks. God has given all of us a nonverbal cue right now saying, just trust me. Just stay with me. Continue to recount those things that I've already taken you through and given you the victory in. Because it's not just about what God will do. It's about who he is. I love when we sing that song, he's a man of your word, but I want to push you another step further. I've said this before, and the scripture says in Numbers 23, God is not a man. The reason he says that, because when we think about God being a man, we think about our neighbor who disappointed us. We think about that man who broke up with us. We think about that woman who broke our heart. We think about that job that laid us off, and God is saying, hey, I'm not a man that I will lie, nor the son of man that I have to repent. Stay with what I said. (laughs) 
Because when we hear this, the scriptures tell us that God, he promises by himself. He creates an oath with himself. I love a guy who actually says, I'm going to say this and then I'm going to back it up. I'm not going to leave this to anybody else. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 16, it says it just like this. Now, when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. But God also bound himself with an oath. This is good to me right here. So that those who receive the promise could be perfectly sure that he would what? Come on, somebody need to say that with your chest. That he would what? That he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. He gives you a double motive there. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. It is impossible for God to lie. It is impossible for God to lie. When I was reading this and writing it down, I said I got happy. It is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. And this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor of our souls. I love how Corey Tim Boom says it like this. This is for all of us in the room. She says, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Some of us don't understand that we're walking through to our destiny if we can just stay focused on what he told us last. Don't get derailed in this season where everybody's freaking out about everything. He's saying, trust a known God with what is unknown in your life, and you will see him move just like that. Because here it is. I say this often to Kendra. She's heard me say it one time. She's heard me say it a thousand times. When things get a little tough or when we get challenged in certain things in our faith, I look at her and I say it with godly confidence. I say, we either trust God or we don't. I know she looks at me sometimes like, you can say that. But she follows my lead in that. And now there are times, even recently last week, she looked at me and she said, either we trust God or we don't. And that's for somebody in the room. You need to put that in your arsenal because this week you will be challenged by something and you need to be able to say, not because of my power, but because I serve a God who actually swears by himself, either I believe him or I don't. So as we walk through this, all of us need to understand there are times where we might not be able to trace God's hand, but what we can do is trust his heart. What we can do is trust what he's already done in our lives, which leads me to that third and final way that we engage in this silence, and it's for us to participate. Participate. We need to participate in the where? Present. Participate in the right now. Because yes, we read the scriptures and we declare, we say, yes, he's the God of yesterday, today, and forever. But what about right now? Again, faith is not faith until you have to enact it. And as we understand this, what we need to do is say, yes, I know you did it then, and I'm glad about you doing it then. I know you will do it in the future, and I'm glad you're going to do it in the future. But right now, I need to pay my bills. Right now, someone's in my family, they're a little sick. Right now, while you're silent, there's something that I need you to show up in, and we need to participate in this present moment. Because here it is. Get this. We can only express our faith and trust in him in the now. 
Yes, faith pulls our past to our future, but the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, now faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now faith is the evidence of things not seen. People need to look at you and be able to see a now faith showing up in the room. So as you walk through this, get this. I love that we're doing this and we're, we're going through this season of symbolic representation of Advent. St. Bernard of Clairvaux, he said this about Advent. He said, Advent prepares not just for the first coming of Christ to Israel or even the second at the end of time. There is a third coming between these two in which Jesus comes in spirit and power for our rest and our consolation. What that means in, in layman's terms, in short, abbreviated version, is yes, God, he did something way back then. Yes, God did. He's going to do something in the future. But he's actually right here with us right now. He's right here to be a very present help in the time of trouble. He's right here to be that one that answers you when you call. So as we walk through this time, here it is. Here's a principle. My participation and my expression is actually my confirmation that I walk in faith. What does that mean? Until I actually show up and actually apply this thing, I'm actually saying that I don't believe what I said I believe. So when you show up on the scene and you hear all these faith things talked about, the only way that you can actually do it is actually to do it. James chapter 2, verse 14, it breaks it down right here. It says, what is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions. Can that kind of faith save anyone? I say a big no. Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or no clothing and say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. We've heard the scripture in another fashion where it says, faith without works is dead. We can say we believe all day, but until we put some action and until we put our money where our mouth is, we have not shown that we actually believe what we say we believe. And why I can speak to this so confidently is while I did have those times that were silent in my life, I can also stand in today and say, now faith is in my life. Now I'm walking in something. When I didn't understand why I was going through a divorce right then, while, while God hates divorce and he doesn't want us to operate in it, I didn't choose to do it. I actually fought not to be in divorce. But what I had to do was actually follow God in his time when he felt silent because he was bringing something into my future. He was bringing someone into my future that because I just stayed on the path, he said, I got you, Mo. He gave me that nonverbal nod and say, just stay with me. The Lord right now, I don't know if I've talked about your specific area where you see God being silent, but I want to let you know as a representation of God right now that he's saying, I got you. Stay with me. I know I'm not talking to you. I know the scriptures might not be making sense to you right now. I know you feel like you're the only person that's gone through this, but I want to give you a... Stay with the Lord. 
Even in a time of silence, when you feel like you can't go another step, just put one step in front of the other. He will never leave you or forsake you. I want to say this last thing here because I believe if all of us grab this, we'll take what God is forming in us and we will be those people who are able to show up on the scene and be an extension of this faith for somebody else. St. Teresa of Avila, she said this, Christ has nobody on earth but yours, no hands but yours, no feet but yours. Yours are the eyes through which Christ's compassion for the world is to look out. Yours are the feet with which he is to go about doing good. And yours, somebody lift your hands right now. Yours are the hands with which he is to bless us now. Just for a second, I just need to stretch those hands up. Stretch those hands up. For some of us, this season of silence is a stretch. But one of the things I do often is when I don't understand what God is doing, when I don't understand what's happening in my life, this is what I do. This is why a lot of times in worship at the end of service, I don't do it out of religious exercise. I say, lift your hands as a sign of surrender. Because even in the silent times when you're trying to figure it out, God is saying, you don't have to figure it out. If you give me your hands, I can show you where your hands need to go. You don't have to figure it out because you might not hear me, but I'm leading you. Give us this day our daily bread. Right now, while you're sitting there with those hands stretched, I know your arms might be getting a little tired, but I'm here to tell you, I want you to remember this this week. When you start to get a little tired, I need you to stretch a little farther and say, God, even in the silence, I'm following you. He's in the waiting. God, his presence, his answer is in the waiting. Even as we take this time right now, he's saying to you, if you will be patient, if you don't get ahead of me, I have something great and mighty that I want to show you. So with those same hands lifted, I want to pray for each and every one of us because I believe there's some of us in here well, you came in here, and yes, you know you need to be submitted to Christ, but you have not been submitting yourself to Christ. Or there might be one area where you haven't submitted to Christ. I want to pray for us all as we receive this. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you right now that with our hands lifted, we say thank you for being with us in the waiting. Those who are even watching online right now with our hands lifted, we thank you right now that you are allowing us to know that just because you're silent does not mean you're absent. God, I thank you right now that you are allowing us to remember, you're allowing us to celebrate, and you're allowing us to participate. So each person in here, under the sound of my voice, let us yield entirely to your spirit. We thank you, God, that when we leave this place today, we will be those who have a testimony of your goodness. That you who hold the stars, that call us by name, we thank you, God, that you are the one who will never leave us or forsake us. So I pray and I, I infuse grace to every hearer right now. I speak strength to every person who has thought they were lost in you. And I declare right now that you're showing them a new thing and you're doing something new on the inside of us. In Jesus' name, amen. 
in this moment, we're just going to take a moment before we leave all together to just let this be an exclamation mark of what we believe and what we heard today. This song that we're getting ready to sing, some of the words say, he's in the waiting. And in this moment while we're singing this song, I want you to even put in the atmosphere those promises of God that you've been waiting on. So for some of you, you need to actually dig in. You need to lean into that part. But for others of us, we need to take this moment, this next few moments, and you might need to pull out your phone and say, I'm going to be the hands of Jesus. I'm going to right now, I'm not going to wait till I get home. I'm going to give in this Christmas gift to the world to give life to somebody else as I've received life today. So no matter where you find yourself in this next moment, I want you to know that God's giving you the nod. He's telling you, I might not be talking to you, but I got you.